it's always a goal to try and find some sort of silver lining or kind of uh, at least a tinge of humor, even in the most serious of subject, because right. I think it makes it easier to deal with even really heavy things like that. You're listening to Having a Chat on CJRU in Toronto, the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love. All right, so about a year ago, I had the pleasure of getting to interview and go see a live performance of Dundas, Ontario's very own The Dirty Nil. Since watching that performance, The Dirty Nil have become one of my favorite bands. They've got two great new singles out that can be streamed anywhere, and we're very excited to have Luke Bentham from The Dirty Nil with us to chat about some music. This is Having a chat. But yeah, anyway, I'm, I, I love the, the list of tunes that you picked. So, uh, but the way, the way the format works is, uh, is we usually start off with one of your tunes. Um, and as you know, we have sort of our Canadian content segment. And when we had Reed McMaster from Fadeaways on for the first episode of the show, he actually picked Master Volume as his nice. Canadian album. Um, love it. And we, and we got kicked taste. off. Yeah, for real, <laughs> for real. Um, and we uh, we kicked it off with uh, with that's what heaven feels like. So I thought that uh, that we could kick off this episode with that tune and then get to the new song at the end. Um, but Reed spoke a lot about how you got what he likes. One of the things that he likes about you guys is how you play heavy, hard hitting music, but it still seems kind of accessible you know like pe- people can listen to it without kind of you know feeling overwhelmed and having to take the headphones off is that sort of a conscious decision um and and if so how do you sort of strike that balance well that's a high compliment i appreciate uh, that uh, our balance of bashing and uh, sweetness uh, are, is resonating uh but um i think that you know uh we are naturally obviously a very loud and um, aggressive sounding band, but um, I think that our motivator from the very beginning has always been uh, hooks and trying to um, uh, all of our favorite bands or most of them for me, at least are bands that were able to kind of even, even the heaviest ones were able to uh, rope you in with, with, with ultimately what it's down to all all of my favorite music is, is hooks, right? So right. Um, I think that sometimes it's um, you come to certain crossroads when it comes to arranging a song or um, mixing a song or even choosing tones for a song right. uh, where you want to, um, you, if you want to lean into the hook side or if you want to let the, your more aggressive tendencies kind of naturally just take over. Um, because I think, you know, within all of us and, specifically within me, I can only speak for myself. Like I contain those two dichotomous poles of like one side, I really like uh, raw power by the stooges and like, you know, white noise aggression. But then I also love, um, you know, Kanye West just hooks, you know, hooks, hooks. hooks So it's kind of, um, you do certainly come to a certain crossroads, but I think that when we're kind of getting an album together of songs that we allocate, um, so they kind of naturally allocate themselves towards like, well, this one's clearly a front runner for 
um, you know, single or that kind of right. thing. But, and then this one is just like, you know, barreling down the highway at a thousand miles <laughs> an hour. So let's just let it do its thing and not try and steer it into that other category. But you certainly come to certain crossroads where you have, um, you have to make decisions about where you want to, uh, uh, slide them in. But, um, for me, I think it's kind of been a, usually like a natural balance. And I think we really achieved, um, a really good balance for that on master volume because, uh, we worked really, really hard on the songs for, a, for about a year. And, um, uh, we had, you know, very, very experienced and excellent producer, um, who was very laid back named John Goodmanson, uh, who, uh, produced it and mixed it. So he did a really, he really got the band. He came and saw us one time and said, okay, I get right. it. Yeah. Um, and he, he, uh, he was able to kind of marry those two, um, worlds that we had not yet been able to bridge, which was like, you know, what we do, which is just naturally aggressive and loud and gnarly mm -hmm. and, uh, and bring us a little bit closer to being able to shake hands with, you know, us radio. So, right. um, I think it's a combination of efforts within the band and with the people that we work with to kind of make the right decisions to try and, and stay in both worlds of like feeling like really, really turned on by the energy of things, but also being able to uh, not undercut ourselves by um, advocating for something that's going to um, uh, basically, you know, not allow us to reach a larger audience. So, you know, I'm kind of rambling now about it, but I think it, it ultimately, I think it just comes down to just the, the kind of band that we are, which is a band that celebrates, you know, minor threat and celebrates Beyonce in the same conversation. Right. So. <laughs> right. So you said that, that this producer saw you guys live and then kind of got it. And, and, you know, I, uh, I got to come see you guys live at the, I think it was at the Phoenix. Um, you know, one of the, one of the last shows that I saw, um, before everything kind of went down, I guess that would have been in the sort of late fall of 2019. Yeah. Um, and you know, incredible, incredible gig. What do you guys you. look to do in a live show? I mean, it, it, but again, sort of on the topic of that balance, right? Cause I think that, you know, again, if it's too heavy, if it's too aggressive, you can kind of push people the wrong way, but at the same time, people want to go and people want to kind of, you know, let loose a little bit. So how do you sort of strike that same balance in your live shows? I think it's a fairly natural thing that kind of comes to us through just like playing the songs a lot and like kind of making concessions about what's going to work a little bit better for live and work a little bit that we did that we didn't necessarily do the same way, maybe in the studio. But I think we also pride ourselves on not making gigantic recordings that are not indicative of how we actually sound like we try and right. kind of have some kind of bear bear a strong resemblance to our live show in our recorded right. music because we put in a lot of work into arranging the songs and making them so we can we really like how they sound in a tiny crappy little jam space concrete right. room and making sure that if it rips down there from front to back, then we don't need to depend on production to make this song. Right. It's a good song and we have our part, our parts all carved out and it works. Yeah. So when it comes to live, I think it's just like most of that work of kind of writing that line has already been done in the jam space of, of kind of orchestrating and arranging the tunes the way that we right. do. But I think, you know, we're also really big fans of like, you know, Nirvana and, 
um, the Who and louder bands that were able to, you know, uh, bands that have kind of carved out that uh, path between those two kind of dichotomous ideas right. uh, uh, successfully before. And, you know, we yeah. look up to those bands and grew up watching videos of them. So yeah, I think they kind of made the blueprint for us. Yeah, cool. So if we can bring it back to the tune now, um, that's what heaven feels like, you know, opening track on master volume. And it just that first opening note, man, it just it hits you like a ton of bricks in, in the best way possible. But I was hoping just before we listen to it, you might be able to just tell us a little bit about what the tunes about. Well, um, I think it's just it's just kind of some uh, devil like from a lyrical standpoint, it's definitely some 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 devil may care rock and roll typical yeah. subject matter um but uh that one i think is you know it's one of my favorite ones that we've ever had just because of how naturally it came together in our jam space and we were listening to a lot of queen and stuff at the time and i just bought an acoustic guitar my first acoustic guitar which was a big decision because i swore i'd never own an acoustic guitar but <laughs> um so i remember kind of dicking around with the chord progression of the chorus in my room um um, I remember just like, it didn't all come together in one jam, but like the mo the central parts of it all came together in one practice, not all of the finer details and stuff that got carved out from road testing it and all that stuff when we were touring with against me. But, um, when, uh, it was one of those moments where I knew when we had, when I had that riff and we had the groove that we had something special and, yeah. uh, you know, when it came time to like make a guitar solo for it, I didn't, I spent a lot of time working on it to try and make it as uh, uh, exciting as possible. But that song, I think, really showcases uh, as a band um, our kind of sensibilities and the care with which that we kind of arrange things. And, right. um, you know, and also our just our reverence for for just classic rock feel good songs. You yeah, know, like um, for sure. we're we're definitely ripping off Queen and uh, right. you know even like Joe Walsh and uh, uh, all those kinds of things. But I, I as I said, I remember I'll never forget the feeling of uh, uh, of complete joy the first time we were starting to even just hammer on it the first time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, well, this is that's what heaven feels like by the Dirty Nell on CJRU. <laughs>
before we get into the next tune, we do this thing where we do like a lightning round of questions. Um, and it's the same questions every single episode, every guest has answered them. Um, so if it's cool with you, we'll, uh, we'll run through those just so folks can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so the first one is, uh, where'd you grow up? Dundas, Ontario, Canada, God's land. Beautiful. Beautiful. We actually, we had a, we had a political strategist on the show talking about music that he likes and uh and he was from dundas but he hadn't heard of you guys so i hope uh, since <laughs> talking about you guys he's checked you out um, what the hell does he know yeah yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um first album you ever bought first album i ever bought i think it was um does this infected by some 41 okay sweet um first concert First concert was Good Charlotte in Hamilton nice. on, the, nice. on the Young and the Hopeless tour, 2003. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, I love, I love talking to people whose first concert was, you know, that era pop punk. Like my first concert yeah, yeah, was yeah. Fallout Boy at the Masonic Temple, uh, nice. which, was, which was really cool at the time. Um, guilty pleasure artist or favorite guilty pleasure artist. I don't really have any guilty pleasure artists because I don't feel really guilty about anything that I like, but I mean, things that other people would like consider to be, you know, in bad taste. Uh, I'm definitely a big fan of um, Audio Slave, uh, their first okay. album. Yeah, I think people have kind of universally written that album off because Chris Cornell was wearing von dutch t-shirts and shit at that time right that's right. uh, we i was we were listening to that on the first album like a few days ago and i'm just yeah. like still pretty blown away by how uh uh like how mythically awesome the performances especially vocally yeah. are on that album yeah for sure um all right next one is beatles or stones stones yeah cool uh and then last one uh liam or noel as in gallagher yeah. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah. yeah, you're the front man. You gotta, you gotta side with the front man. <laughs> gotta rep the parka monkey. Yeah, yeah, for real, man, for real. Um, all right. So the first tune of yours, or the first first turn tune that you pick that we're gonna play is uh, "Many Roads to Follow" by The Nerves. Uh, what do you like about these guys? I like the pop sensibility. The vocal harmonies are wicked. I like bands that broke up after making one album for some right. reason. I think they just they didn't get a chance to get shitty. Yeah. And I, even though the older I've gotten, the less I've subscribed and distanced myself from rock and roll mythology of those kinds of self-destructive stories. There's a part of me that always clings to those things like right. Sex Pistols. And um, I, I, I just, I really like, uh, what I really like about the Nerves is that they're an atypical sounding band um, where the guitar is really busy but it's uh it's uh it's not uh overbearing in any way like it's really it's really really great guitar playing and that as to me they sound like a, a cool version of the police because i hate the police. right okay but uh um this song is actually like i don't think there's actually a proper recording of it i think it's just a demo that they made before they broke up and it's just two of them singing and playing an acoustic guitar and it's really compressed sounding because it sounds like they recorded it with a potato or something, but right. uh, uh, the vocal harmonies are excellent. And I like the vague kind of lyrics. It, rem it reminds me of an early who single or maybe right. an early Beatles single or something. It's got some right. teeth to it. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, what are some other examples of, I mean, you mentioned the sex pistols, but what are some other examples of bands that you think kind of just 
the one album nails it perfectly and then they stopped. And then maybe on the flip side of that, what do you think are some examples of bands that maybe like had they just stuck to the one or the two albums and not kind of continued on, it would have been, uh, you know, better without being too controversial, of course. Yeah. 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 No, I understand. You never, you never want to poo poo people's stuff too much. I mean like definitely in the latter quarter. Hold on. Category. Sorry. One second. Hello. Hi. No, I'm, can you shut the door please? Sorry, it's my grandma. Oh, no, it's fine. Hey, grandma. Um, <laughs> Sorry, continue. Uh, so I would say, I mean, like, you know, you like, I love Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses, but then like, right. I literally don't care about anything else they did after that. <laughs> uh, they probably should have broken up. If, if they broke up after Appetite, they would have been the biggest band in the world. Like, they would have been the yeah. most legendary band ever. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of like one album bands. There's like, I don't know who comes to mind for you. Give me, give me a couple of the workers. Can you <laughs> well, think of any? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who, you know, not, not necessarily one album bands, but I think that like the Beatles are a perfect example of a band that was around for just the right amount of time. You know what I mean? Like they kind of, Oh, for they sure. Said, they didn't say they're welcome. Yeah, exactly. They, they had like the 10 years and they made the biggest mark they possibly could. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to see, like assuming, you know, John and George had lived to now, I wouldn't have wanted to see sort of what the old, Beatles were doing in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a Beatles reunion tour at Coachella or something like that would have sucked. Like, you know, and, and yeah. there's something to be said for sort of bands that just, that make their mark and then leave. And, and, and you know, and as a devout Oasis fan, I kind of even feel the same way about them. Like, I'm not sure yeah. that, you know, like 10 years from now, I'm going to want to see a 60 year old Liam and Noel Gallagher just belting out tunes, you know, for some, uh, some overpriced gig. It's just not. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the stone roses to me jump out as like the biggest example though. Like, I mean, they, they did two albums, but uh, they really, I think with those two and, and especially with the first one made just an incredible mark on music. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm a big, uh, it's 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 tough to say because as i said like the older i get the the less i kind of subscribe to like the the more i empathize with the continued struggle because it's right. like you just want to keep going i don't know that's yeah, yeah fun. Of course, but of uh i think you know it's funny reading biographies and people kind of real like realizing and acknowledging in hindsight like we probably should have stopped at that part because right. I mean, subsequently it wasn't very good or yada 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 but you know, every band only gets so many like good songs or good albums, yeah. right? Like you yeah. only get so many um, before even like, and it's all down to personal opinion, but like a band like Guided by Voices that I, I love, like yeah. once you have like 20 songs by, once I have 20 songs by you that I really like, yeah. I really don't even want to hear anymore. Like yeah. that's, that's because they're crazy that's prolific. That's like, how I feel. Yeah. Like, like spin your head prolific. Yeah, yeah, like they'll they'll just put out heaps of music. Like you know, like didn't they do like five albums in a year or something? I remember Reed McMaster telling me something because he's like a massive fan of them. But yeah, was, their book was, their book is really good. Uh, yeah. It's called Twenty One Years of Hunting Accidents in the Forests of Rock and Roll. It's a great, <laughs> great right, bio. Sweet, sweet. I'll but check that you know, out. the Sex Pistols one's a really interesting one because I think it was a really smart kind of and necessary decision for them because what is little understood about the sex pistols is that um their principal songwriter has was ejected from the band before 
they even recorded the bulk of the album, right. uh, Glenn Matlock. So they didn't even right. have the capacity to write right. any more songs. <laughs> yeah. And their best recordings that they ever made have Glenn Matlock playing the bass on them, like Anarchy in the UK and God Save the Queen have Glenn Matlock's playing the bass. Wow. And uh, the rest of the songs on the album, um, which were made after those two songs were, if, if, if I'm correcting my information, like they don't yeah. sound nearly as good as those first two songs. Yeah, for real. All righty. Well, uh, with that, this is The Nerves with Many Roads to Follow on CJRU. Uh, next up is uh, Work It by Missy Elliott, uh, sort of two, early 2000s hip-hop track. What do you like about this one? Yeah. I just, like, remember seeing this video on Much Music all the time, being like, this is the fucking funkiest song I've ever heard in my life. Right. And sometimes when my brain goes quiet, I just hear, ta 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 and I'm just like, yeah, it's the best hook of all time. And anytime right. I hear an artist... Um, pull off just making sounds with their mouth like rhythmic sounds rather than using actual words like toots in the maytals like when he's like yeah that'd be dbdbd like i'm like yeah. in my mind i'm like you can't do that that's not allowed and then i'm like <laughs> there are no rules there are no rules and i love it so much um but i mean it's just a banging ass song and the backtrack like whoever produced that song killed it like that it was kind of like was it Timbaland? Yeah. Okay. Well, whoever, yeah, if he decided on that theremin sound, that like kind of like kind of sounds like a diet version of the House of Pain, like right. like it's like the that's like I don't know. It's just a great song, and uh, the video uh, is amazing too. 
So yeah. I just I just love that tune a lot. Yeah. And we still blast it all the time. Sometimes we walk out to that song because it gets us going. Right. So that so that brings me into an interesting question that that often comes up on this show is like, what is sort of your ideal walkout music? And and it's funny because like you know we have some guests on the show are politicians, but they also get to pick walkout music for when they go out and give speeches and stuff. So it's kind of, you know, I'm always curious, like what would be sort of, you know, some of your favorite walkout tunes? Well, we did uh, Sandstorm by Darude for quite a while. Uh, (laughs) We used a bunch of any DMX song that didn't have homophobic lyrics in it, which there were very few. Um, and uh big fan of like uh old like old really raunchy blues tunes and stuff like uh, muddy muddy waters right and uh 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 elmore james but um i mean generally speaking things that are different than what we do and that usually if they have like an an element of humor to them right you know We've had we have a lot of funny ones that we've thought of like uh, uh, blue daba dee daba die uh, <laughs> like Eiffel sixty five or whatever and uh, uh, the hamster dance and the Pokemon we did we walked out to the Pokemon theme song once and uh, yeah just like funny stuff that's gonna get people going get us going yeah, some, yeah some element of humor but the song has to slap also yeah for sure for sure you gotta get people stoked all right well this is work it by missy elliott on cjru I'm not a prostitute, but I can give you what you want. I love your braids and your mouth full of phones. Love the way my ass go, ba-boom, ba-boom, boom. Keep your eyes on my ba-boom, ba-boom. 
won't won't Yeah, think you can handle this, cause don't, cause don't, don't Take my thumb off and my ass go boom Cut the lights on so you see what I can do Is it worth it? Let me work it I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it It's your primitive, it's why I need to It's your primitive, it's why I need to If you got a big, let me search it If I know how hard I gotta work, yeah It's your primitive, it's why I need to It's your Chinese boys, white time, 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 girls, girls, get that cash, if it's 95, we're shaking your ass, ain't no shame, ladies, do your thing, just make sure you ahead of the game, just cause I got a lot of fame, super, Prince couldn't get me, change my name, Papa, who to can't tell you, slave again, no sign, picture black saying, oh, yes, I'm Asa, picture little Kim dating a pastor, minute man, big red can outlast ya, who is the best? I don't have to ask ya. When I come out, you won't even matter. Why you act dumb like uh duh? Say you act dumb like uh duh. As the drummer boy go brr up a pum pum, give you some 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 of this cinnabon. Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's your primitive, it's why I need them. It's your primitive, it's why I need them. If you got a big, let me search it. If I know how hard I gotta work, yeah. It's your primitive, it's why I need them. Um, all right, next up is uh, It's Late by Queen uh, off their News of the World album. What do you like about this one? Um, well, we stole uh, a good amount of like the groove in that one to make That's What Heaven Feels Like. Um, yeah, I remember I, I had discovered that song and I put it on for the guys. And we were all like, yeah. And then we like, yeah. were jamming a couple days later and some semblance of that uh, song kind of came together. and. Yeah. Um, I just love the dynamics of it. I don't. I don't actually like the whole song of it. Like, I think the guitar. It has one of those guitar solos that doesn't quite. It's kind of typical of the '70s where there just has to be a guitar solo, and it doesn't right, necessarily right. elevate the song. It just kind of like big band just grooves for a while, and the guitar yeah. and Brian May just kind of like, well, I just laid something down, and you know, yeah. a lot of his guitar work is amazing. Obviously, he's one of the greats, but um, that's not maybe his best song in terms of a solo <laughs> and it's a little long for me, but, um, I think that, uh, uh, the groove of it and the chorus, uh, are insane. And so, yeah. and I love the way it starts. Like I love, uh, I love, uh, how kind of soft and quiet and tender it starts. And like, and mm -hmm. then when, when the band all comes in, it's, uh, it's typical queen. It just makes everybody smile. That's great. Yeah, for real. So I mean, my understanding of this one is that it's it's meant to be sort of like, and, and this is you know all just taken from Wikipediaing the song, um, but uh, it's meant to be sort of like a three act theatrical play. Um, does does that sort of you know sort of concept writing in songs have any resonance to you? Like, is that something that you've ever considered or? Um, or Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I didn't think it's, so, but uh, I had to ask. Yeah, our 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 form we're con we're just like three blind mice feeling through the dark until we find things that were like yeah this is really good and, right. uh 
a lot of the times we have songs where we have like the first three quarters of it and it'll sit around for six months like or right. more where you know we just keep working on it trying to find the right thing like we do i mean i think it's a very common thing nowadays for bands to like have uh to bring in an idea for a song into the studio and have a producer like build it up but right that uh holds uh i have zero interest in it and things like that because um one of the rules that I feel constrained by, and in a good way, is that a song has to, as I said, we're not record. I don't want to record a song unless it rips in our jam space, like from front to back. You know, there might be like we still need to finish the lyrics there, or like not exactly sure what's going to happen there. We'll maybe finish that pre-production, but like we got to be able to basically play it live uh, right. before we record it. And uh, because that way you get to really figure things out and everybody gets to find the groove and everything like that. I mean, I, I'm not looking down my nose in any way about people that, you know, go to the studio and just make songs that way. That's totally cool. Right. Um, it's just not, that's not my relationship with recording personally. Mm -hmm. I am suspicious of anything that's less work when it comes to right. rock and roll. Like I, I think that, uh, I that idea just petrifies me to be honest with you like yeah. I just don't I, I just I need I need time I, like I need yeah. time and to work on things and some things come together quickly and you know I, I also just believe in amassing like a body of songs because yeah. they all influence each other kind of um, sure. like making an album worth of songs rather than like going in recording this song and then taking a break and then recording a couple other songs and you know, that's just, it's all down to personal preference, but I like yeah. when songs all kind of come together together. Um, yeah. Even if some are way ahead and some are lagging behind, like they all kind of help each other. Um, might, might be just a stupid superstitious belief, but that's, that's kind of how we do things. The other thing I'd like to say about It's Late is uh, the first time I heard it was in that crazy, super underrated movie with Seth Rogen, uh, Observe and Report. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't know why it is. I think it's just because I saw it at the right time and I was like kind of right. impressed when I saw it. It made me really happy because it's so dark and fucked up and funny. Yeah. Um, and it might not hold up the best, uh, but <laughs> I always have a sentimental attachment to it. And uh, I remember hearing It's Late in that movie at the very end, uh, yeah. riding away in his mall cop car and has his middle yeah. finger up flipping everybody off and it's such a, a glorious marriage of music and, and film but <laughs> yeah. the sound the soundtrack uh of that movie is so good it's one of the best soundtracks i've ever heard damn well yeah i'm so gonna we, have to go rewatch that then like because that, yeah. that movie just got overshadowed by paul bart mall cop it was one of those exactly. things where like two the same movies came out in the same year yeah and the paul bart ones like the family pg rated one where exactly. there's like this kind of bumbling guy who's like falling over and stuff and observing report is like a super dark com yeah. like black comedy with like lots of violence and a really good soundtrack and right. uh, a lot of super crude parts but uh <laughs> yeah no, it, it it got sucked up into the greater morass of the paul blart uh kevin james <laughs> all right well i hope those listening will uh will check out observing report but until then this is queen with it's late on cgru
to blame But there's something inside That's turning my mind away
All right. Um, next up, Luke's guitar, Stomp and Tom Connors. Um, I mean, apart from perhaps the obvious name connection, what do you like about this tune and what do you like about Stomp and Tom? Um, well, Stomp and Tom was one of the regular fixtures uh, uh, of my childhood. My mom listened to a lot of uh, women and songs and like Anya and that bullshit. Right. And uh uh, all that kind of mall music, like yeah. every mom had the women in songs CD, including <laughs> mine. Uh, and my dad listened to extremely abrasive country music. And by abrasive, I mean like pretty much only like, uh, like it's kind of widely lampooned. And uh, uh, I don't know what you want to say, but it's kind of corny and, and uh really raw sounding country music um right. that was canadian and uh, as well as like you know johnny cash Folsom prison and all like all that's like alive at Folsom prison is the album that i remember hearing the most as a kid but stomp and tom um also as well and i remember my mom and dad like arguing when we go on a road trip like there'd be a war over the tape player about what was going to get played and it would be like an hour of like who can say what you're <laughs> And then it would be like, and it would be my dad put on Stomp and Tom. So right. I remember how much he used to aggravate my mom. So, and how happy it would make my dad. So right. there's a, a hilarious kind of like trolling aspect of Stomp Tom's music that is uh, syn like they're synonymous with each other for me. And um, the sentiment of the song is basically like, um, this guy uh, refusing, to, like he's he's saying he's basically complaining that he's done all of this stuff for his wife. Like right. he sold like the stove and the car and the dog, and he's like the chorus is, but uh, 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 but that woman of mine will be a hundred and nine before I hawk that old guitar. And uh, <laughs> this guy, and then he make proceeds to make the sound of uh what a guitar sounds like while he's playing guitar with his mouth. And uh, right. I love that. It's, uh, that's what I mean by abrasive. Like it's, right. it's kind of like, it's so corny that it's like, it's wild, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why I love Stompin' Tom. I love Stompin' Tom's music. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, I'm just hearing that that sound of you know him making a guitar sound with his mouth. It almost reminds me of like Jack Black in School of Rock doing his little yeah, guitar solo totally. into the mic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he's like twang, twang, I need a bang, I need a bang, like yeah, exactly. Great impression of a guitar, but yeah. it's also strangely hooky. Like yeah. that's kind of what I kind of a throwback to the Missy Elliott thing. When I heard when you listen to something like that, you're like, you can't do that. Like that's right. not you're not allowed to do that when he's just yeah. doing it, you know? Yeah. It's great. So I mean the the impact the influence of sort of country artists on rock and roll musicians is something that sort of keeps coming up with guests on the show like we've had a couple different um like big australian bands skags and hockey dad who have both spoken at length on the show about like sort of dis rediscovering country almost because it's kind of a thing that for many people they kind of thumb their nose at it like people you always hear people say like i love every type of music except country um, so do you, do you see Stomp and Tom's music and country music in general having any influence on, on your music? Without a doubt, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, I mean, there's many things, right? Like there's like the, the, the strong backbeat and the downtrodden, but kind of lyrics paired with a happy melody typically. And, um, 
you know, in some of the more alt country stuff, like Towns Van Zandt, like the hopelessness of the lyrics and like imagery of it is incredibly captivating and inspiring um, and completely different from anything else that you'd hear. I think the thing that country music does too is forces you to actually listen to the lyrics because there's nothing else to distract you from it. There's no loud cymbals or guitars or anything that are kind of obscuring lyrics. So the vocals mean that much more in country music. It's just a different kind of pop music, right? Where the vocals are at the forefront. It's not the bass sound or the drums in country music yeah. that people love. It's it's the it's the story, right? It's like the it's yeah. the, it's the, it's the basic elements of the song. So, I mean, I can only speak like personally too that like my entire childhood was just like was like George Jones and Hank Williams and uh and even more novelty country stuff like uh roger miller like right. all that and stomp and tom like when you those things left an impact on me because you'd hear things that were like so corny and so hilarious that like it would aggravate people and make my dad <laughs> happy and i'm like that's pretty sick like and just rule breaking guys like that that would do weird wild things with songs and um that uh that had a real impact on me too. And obviously the imagery is really badass too. Like you see John mm. Cash and um, he almost looks like he's like a punk singer. And, oh, for uh, sure. For sure. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, I love, I love country music a lot. And like guys like, you know, John Prine. I'm wearing John Prine t-shirt. Oh, but, sweet. Uh, I mean, John Prine is one of my favorite writers of all time. The humor and darkness and imagery. So uh, yeah. I don't, you don't, find that in rock and roll very often yeah for sure all righty well this is stomp and tom connors with luke's guitar on cjru dog's fucking freaking out upstairs twang twang a diddle dang a diddle dang a twang a twang a twang twang a diddle dang another dang twang another dang twang another dang twang i've been married now for a year or more and my old guitar hangs by the door that woman of mine says hawk that luke cause your mama dear needs a brand new suit well, I hocked my watch and I sold my dog and upon the gasoline stove. I hocked my ring and everything just to keep that woman in clothes. I even pawned a cat and I hocked my boots and I sold a family car. But that woman of mine will be 109 before I hock my old guitar. Twang, twang, a diddle, dang, a diddle, dang, a twang, a twang, a twang, twang, a diddle, dang, another dang, twang, another dang, twang, another dang, twang. She went out one day last week, I guess, and she won't come back until I say yes. In answer to her, hawk that Luke, my old guitar for a swimming suit. That'll be the day when I pawn my heart like I pawned the gasoline stove. I hawk my ring and everything just to keep that woman in clothes. I even pawned a cat and I hocked my boots and I sold a family car. But that woman of mine will be old and blind before I hock my old guitar. Twang, twang, a dang, another dang, twang, another dang, twang, another dang, twang. If she don't come back, I won't be sore, cause I don't give a hoot about her no more. A man gets tired of hock that Luke, that woman of mine's too bad to shoot. 
Well, I hocked my watch and I sold my dog and I pawned the gasoline stove. I hocked my ring and everything just to keep that woman in clothes. I even pawned a cat and I hocked my boots and I sold the family car. But that woman of mine will be in a box of pain before I hock my old guitar. Twang, twang, a doodle, dang, a twang, a twang, a twang, a twang, a dang, another dang, twang, another dang, twang, another dang, twang. This song ain't over yet. Still another dang, twang, and 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 another dang. Um, all right, next up, uh, we've got your uh, we've got your Canadian album choice for us, uh, and this is you know I, I mentioned at the beginning you were the first music interview I've ever done, and this was a band that you talked about, if I'm not mistaken, when we spoke last time, uh, Guelph's very own The Constantines with their album Shine a Light. Uh, what do you like about The Constantines? Well, I mean, I like everything about The Constantines. The Constantines were probably the first Canadian band um, that I got to see that really made a significant impact on me and that I like, I fell in love with, with every inch of my being like, um, and didn't just like, you know, Fry Sherman and Sloan, I would get really into a few songs by them and I'm still a huge Sloan fan, but like the Constantines tapped into something in me that I just, I hadn't experienced. Um, and like a reverence that I'd only had for bands that I never got the opportunity to see really like the who, who, um, or the replacements or like bands that were like myth a lot, like that would de- develop all this mythology for, but the Constantines right. did the same thing for me, but they were a band of my time. Yeah. And uh, that was the first time that ever happened to me. And uh, I saw them on a whim. I hadn't heard any of their music before. I'd seen the name around before, but uh, back in the fall of 2008. And I just, I, it was one of those like life changing concerts where yeah. I was just absolutely blown away by how in control of their music they were and how interesting the arrangements were and how atypical they sounded as a band. Like the guitar was certainly a big part of the band, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, like the focal point. Like they're, they worked so well as a unit that I had never seen anything like it, you know, right. with the, the um, and then obviously, you know, Bry, every single guy on, in that band is a murderer on their mm-hmm. instrument. But yeah, I mean, Bry as a singer and a songwriter and, and man, a guitar player is right. uh, just in a whole other stratospheric level right. um, than, uh, than, you know, a lot of people. So right. I, I just, I really, really got it. And the album that they were touring at the time was Kensington Heights. So that was the first album by them I really got into. And I worked backwards from there. I think the first right. one, the next one I listened to was their self-titled. And then I listened to Tournament of Hearts. Yeah. And then I, and then I finally listened back to uh, Shine Light and Shine Light. I mean, all of them, I couldn't rank them for you because I love all of them equally to be right. honest with you. I can tell you that like on different days, I love different ones the most it's like the replacements for me like i'm right. such a big fan that that i just i don't have one be all end all album by them so when you asked me that question i was just like you know what today shine lights the one for me. <laughs> it certainly has some endearing or sort of enduring characteristics that kind of always keep it near the top of the heat for me um i really like um how raw the album is i always thought it was an interesting move by them to do kind of such a raw sounding album for their second album right. because it almost sounds 
a little bit less produced than their first album. And usually bands have kind of like a linear yeah, they progression of, of, yeah. So um, I found that always to be an interesting choice. And um, yeah, I just, I really, really like like live videos from that period too, which right. kind of helped establish that as a mythological album right. uh, for me and point in their career. But um, I, I just think it's just a, just a, a, a fantastic um, rock and roll album and, and a landmark in Canadian music for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I love discovering bands live. I mean, like some of my favorite bands are bands that like I either had hardly listened to or hadn't listened to at all before I saw them live. And it sounds like this was sort of, you know, the case for you with these guys. What are some other groups that you sort of discovered for the first time live? Well, I really got into, uh, when I was younger, I really got into the Mars Volta when they opened it down. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. And uh, when I saw, I, you know, uh, Cold War Kids, when they were kind of like a raw, more scrappier, quirky band, I got, right. I, I, I'd never heard them and I saw them live. Um, and uh, Mets, you know, I discovered Mets live and heard them before. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a very long list of people that I had, like, <laughs> yeah, like I that, that it left an impression on me that um, uh, that I never you know that that you you kind of when you listen to the music on record a lot of it is just kind of reviving that initial euphoria that for you sure. experienced for the first time. For sure. It's like, you know, what they talk about with like, you know, certain drugs, like you do it once and then you spend the entire rest of your drug taking yeah. experience facing that initial high. Yeah. <laughs> so with the that, dragon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. With that, uh, this is Shine a Light by the Constantines on CJRU.
Uh, Wicked. We're just going to, you, you guys have put out uh, this new single, Done With Drugs. Dude. What can you tell us about this tune? Um, it was, uh, we were kind of trying to make a funny version of like, like over the, we as a band get obsessed with certain songs and just like right. wear them out. And like, usually the more corny the song is, the more we get obsessed with it. And, uh, we are obsessed uh, as we still are with Mr. Brightside by the killers. <laughs> and we were like, let's, we started, we, st- I kind of came up with the riff. And then we kind of started joking that it's like, this is kind of like our Mr. Brightside. Right. And uh, so musically, that's kind of what's going on. But um, lyrically, it was definitely like um, just a funny, like really on the nose sentiment that I basically accrued by observing a lot of our peers and people our age that like, you know, we're, we're, we're all turning 30 this year. So we're at the point right. now where a lot of people are, are, are basically putting a cap on the habits of their twenties, the less right. yeah, yeah, they've been doing and attempting to kind of like correct course um, for yeah. their thirties and beyond. And uh, you know, I think a lot of when it comes to lyric writing for me is just kind of like, I try and establish a little bit of a story in my mind um, yeah. about people and, um, just picking up, you can d- tell me one detail and I can try, I'll, I'll spin it into a full yarn in my mind. Right, right, that's right. kind of what I did with that. that. But I mean, it's kind of the aggregate of all of these, uh, I'm getting clean sentiments that I've heard over right. the last few years. You know, I'm, I, it's, it's in no way like, a um, a, uh, I'm no, I'm in no way trying to make light of people trying to take control of their lives and live a better right, life. Right, and, right. You know, uh, in no way is that my intention, but I think that naturally injecting some humor into it. Yeah. Is just oh, for sure. What we do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I mean, you know, substance abuse is obviously like a really serious thing that has impacted, you know, it impacts everybody at some point in their right. lives, whether it's a loved one or personally. And right. um, it's, it's a common theme in our music just because we live right. in a, we live in the rock and roll universe. So we're surrounded right. by, you know, drugs and alcohol and people doing drugs and alcohol. And, right. you know, truth be told, we like to knock back a few beers from time to time. So I mean, <laughs> these, these sent, yeah, these sentiments have been, uh, you know, they're just kind of around. And I certainly believe in, um, I think it's kind of the country music thing where it's yeah. always, it's always a, goal to try and find some sort of silver lining or kind of uh, at least a tinge of humor even in the most serious of subject because i think it makes it easier to deal with even really heavy things like that yeah absolutely for sure all right man well so before we before we play the tune uh you know we always like to give you guys an opportunity to plug what you've got going on at the at the end of the show uh obviously tours are not really happening at this point but uh but what can you tell the people about uh where they can check you out and what you guys have got going on well, um, we've got an exciting, we've got, we've got a hell of a lot of tunes that we're sitting on right now, so I can't Sweet. say anything more, but uh, it's going to be a big year and we can't wait. And uh, there's lots and lots of more new music coming soon. And, um, you know, we can't wait to get back to playing live shows just like everybody else. And um, we hope that everyone's doing well out there taking care of themselves not putting too much pressure on themselves to you know uh 
deliver a, a ton of uh, crazy productivity. I think it's just take it easy, do the things that you always wanted to do, but don't put too much pressure on yourself. And uh, yeah. we can't wait to see all of you very soon again. Hail, hail, rock and roll. Alrighty, so thanks so much to Luke Bentham from the Dirty Nell for joining us today. And uh, since the uh, since the episode that you just heard was recorded, the Dirty Nell have actually come out with another new single called Doom Boy. So be sure to go check that out. As always, you can find full episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And this is Done with Drugs by the Dirty Nell on CJRU. Try